We last talked one month ago, and right now I'm recording this on January 30th of 2024. So the last time we talked, I had 48 subscribers, and I was really just focusing on making the best videos possible. But my main medium that I was doing that through was by editing the best videos possible, making my editing super good. And I remember I was telling you guys, I am going to be focusing on making my deep work better, like cultivating my deep work ability. And that's what I did. I spent pretty much the whole month making the best videos possible through editing. And I was also focusing on coming up with the best ideas possible as well, because a bad idea will equal a bad video, but a good idea will equal a good video if, and like the execution is less important if it's a good idea. And then I went on this whole journey over the past like week or two where I realized that I didn't even know who my dream customer was. I always said, like seven months ago, I read a book called Dotcom Secrets. That was the first like business book that I read that actually taught like a lot of tactics and strategies relating to business. And I read that book and the first step, literally the like the second chapter after the introduction, the first step of the entire book is to come up with your dream customer. And I did do that, I thought. I said, my younger self, which is true, but it's way too broad because my younger self could be fourth grade, could be eighth grade, it could be junior year. It, like all of those are completely different people, like radically different people. So my younger self is not good enough. Like that is not good enough. So I realized that I was sitting on the couch I was reading my storytelling book that I'm reading right now. It's called The Power of Personal Storytelling. And in the beginning of the book, he he just said like, well, you got to you got to realize like when you're creating your stories, you got to think like who is the audience? Who is this for? And that's where it really made me question like, do I even know who my audience is? Even though I'd seen many different prompts saying like, who's your audience? And I would always say, yep, my younger self. And I never really thought anything else. But now I'm realizing I'm sitting there on my couch and I'm like, oh, I don't even know who this is for because I need to come up with like stories that are exactly for this person. So I was like, okay, well, I got to figure this out. And I remembered that I was thinking like, when did I learn about the dream customer? Well, I remembered dot-com secrets and I put dot-com secrets up in the attic with all of my other books because I'm only focusing on a few books right now. And so I literally just went straight away, went up to the attic and grabbed dot-com secrets. And then I locked myself in my room with nothing but my book, a journal and a pen. And I just sat there answering all of the questions that he lists relating to the dream customer. I said, Like, who was he? What does he look like? What are his goals, ambitions, aspirations? All of these things I answered. It it took three hours. I was sitting there for three hours on the floor on my tatami mat, just coming up with my dream customer. And then after that, I had like four or five pages full 
of notes about my dream customer in a journal. And it was not consolidated enough. So I spent another like half hour transferring it over to a single sheet of paper. And then after that, I went to the basement and turned on my computer and went on to ChatGPT and filled out all of the stats about this person. And I told it to create an image for him. And I got like a bunch of like crappy images that I didn't really like that I didn't like I turned out I described it wrong because I it's it that's a whole like it doesn't really matter and so after like a couple back and forth between me and the AI I found the best I like got the best image that suits the person not the best but an image suitable for my dream customer and so what I did was I printed that sheet of paper and then I took my sheet of paper with all the stats and then my sheet of paper with my with with the 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 printed out image so i took both these sheets and some tape and literally taped it up to my wall and if you have been following my videos or even my podcast you know that i am extremely minimalistic with my room i get rid of everything if i don't use it every day or if it's not extremely essential or important and so me taping a random piece of paper up on the wall is extremely uncharacteristic of me. Yet that's how important this is. That's how important it was to take this first step and literally tape up a piece of paper of an image and a bunch of notes written down of my dream customer. So that was the game changer number one. And that, this literally happened like maybe one or two weeks ago. Like right when I was starting reading this book the power of personal storytelling. And then after that, I quickly realized that my dream customer does not want all of these highly edited videos. He does not want that. And I was like, well, what does he want? He just wants, and I went on this whole journey. I was like, okay, first I realized that he wanted the unedited stuff. He wanted like the raw unfiltered content. Like, Hamza has been posting. He's got a second channel, Hamza Unfiltered. And then like all kinds of people are doing this. And then I went to the park with my friend, with two friends. My, f They're both working on YouTube channels, uh, Franklin and Gorn. And before on this podcast, I wasn't really comfortable sharing names, but I just recently caught up on like the past two months of my friend Franklin's podcast and it only took like two hours or not even a, probably like an hour because I was skipping all the parts that I didn't want to listen to. Um, and I realized that he was sharing my name also. And I didn't feel like bad. I didn't feel like angry that he was sharing my name, which gave me a real good confidence booster. And it pretty much gave me the green light to share his name because I feel like it's a lot more authentic if you share their names. And then, so I'm sharing, and then the reason why I shared Gorn's name is because I wasn't going to share his name, but he started commenting on my YouTube videos. Uh, like literally the videos where I say, I am like, here's my mentor or like videos where I posted a video thanking my mentor and I put it into a playlist on, um, like feedback, go, uh, like 
mentor feedback or Goran feedback. I don't know. And so he commented on it. So basically revealed him. So that gave me the green light to share his name. And if they um, tell me that I don't, they don't want their names, then I'll, ch- I'll not share it in the future. But for now, I'm comfortable sharing their names. So pretty much I go to the park with Goran and Franklin. And we haven't masterminded for an entire month at this point. Actually, I haven't seen uh, Goran since literally like December 15th. And I just saw him. And this, like we went to the park like two days ago. So I hadn't seen Goran for literally over two months. And Franklin, I saw one month ago. And this was a very good mastermind. We got so much information, but I was kind of like fried. And I didn't really take that much notes because... I kind of had the thought process where I wasn't really getting much out of it during it, but then I reflected a lot afterwards and came up to a bunch of conclusions and made a lot of connections. First, there was one time where Goran, my mentor, he was talking about how there's like hundreds of like Hamza clones and like a lot of people who are doing basically the same thing Hamza did and does. And so he said that you got to figure out like what is going to differentiate you from the pack. Like what's going to make you different? Like, cause at that time I was no, I was, I was not different and I still kind of am very similar to other people. But so I was like, at the time I wasn't really thinking, I was like, okay, I got to figure this out. And then afterwards I realized storytelling. I was sitting in my room during my daily pondering session literally me sitting in my room with the lights off on the floor on my bed and just thinking for 30 to 40 40 minutes and i'm thinking well what what will make me stand out what differentiates me and i realized it is storytelling because lots of different memories caused this and one very potent one was hamza stood out because of his storytelling he actually said that he and his editor were in a brainstorming session together trying to figure out what made him stand out. And Hamza thought it was like his leadership and all this other stuff. But his editor, Sam, was very adamant that it was his storytelling. He just told very good stories, very compelling stories, and he told them well. And then, so I'm like, okay, storytelling. And I'm like still thinking like, it's all about storytelling. More and more as the days go by, I realize that it really is all about storytelling. The only thing that matters, like the only thing connecting us is storytelling. I came to the epiphany during that meditation, that pondering session that YouTubers are just good storytellers. They're just good storytellers. Like, yeah, they have all these, like Mr. Beast has all of these editing all of this like production post-production pre-production like he buys islands he has a lot of money all this stuff but he's just telling a story at the very core of things he is just telling a story so the only difference like at the very core if you strip it to the extreme bare bones obviously there's a lot more differences between me and mr beast but at the core of things the only difference between me and Mr. Beast is he is just a better storyteller. He tells better stories. And over the like, that just makes so much sense to me. 
So I realized that like YouTube success is just a matter of figuring out how to tell good stories, figuring out what works, what doesn't work, how to tell it better, all of these things. So that's what I've been doing. Right away, I looked up best books on storytelling. There's a top five and I listened to all of his descriptions and I chose the two best ones that fit my current situation. The first one was the power of personal storytelling. And the second one was unleash the power of storytelling, which I was going to read unleash the power of storytelling first, but I chose not to because the power of personal storytelling just came first in the mail from Amazon. So I started reading that and it absolutely changed my life for many different reasons. And the first reason is I realized that I had a very like bad relationship with self-improvement because first of all, a couple of weeks ago, I thought that all there was all like all my life was is once I started self-improvement, I thought that my life started when I started self-improvement. And then I realized that in this book, he gave a bunch of activities, actionable steps And one of them was thinking back to your childhood. So I was just thinking very broad, like what was my childhood like? And I could not come up with very many memories. It took a long time to start having the memories come in, like literally hours of pondering. But now I'm able to like think of a lot of things about my childhood. And I realized that my childhood was not terrible. I learned so many, I relearned so many lessons from my childhood now And I'm able to share them as stories. And I have. I learned that video games were not actually the worst thing to happen to me. It was actually probably one of the better things to happen to me. And I also learned that I've been on self-improvement all my life. I always thought that I was one and a half years old because that's when I started reading. So that's when I actually thought that my self-improvement journey began. But no, it wasn't, it's not been one and a half years. It's been 18 years. My entire life I've been on self-improvement because I can think back to many different memories of me improving myself. The first instance was when I like wanted to get good at soccer and I would play soccer all the time with my friends in elementary school. And then another instance is when I like, I am an introvert. So I'm an introvert. This is context. I'm an introvert and I'm a shy person. I've been like this all my life and it's getting better. Like I, I'm not sure if I don't know enough about introvertedness to know if it's good or bad, but I'm getting better at being less shy and also being like having less social anxiety. So it's getting better, but all my life I've been like an introvert and shy, which I'm actually not sure now that I've been pondering my memories a lot. I'm not sure if I've always been an introvert and shy because I was like the most popular kid in elementary school. So I don't know, but I've been, I'm in like, I have social anxiety and maybe I'm not even an introvert. I don't know. Maybe it was just video games that caused it. Yeah. That's, that's some, inner work that I got to figure out. But middle school, I'm walking around like this kid with social anxiety, walking around selling chips, trading chips for hot lunch, walking up to a bunch of strangers. Like that was scary. That was hard, but I did it every single day because I wanted to, I wanted to eat the hot lunch and I like, I'd have to pay for it or I would have to trade for it. That's basically what I had to do. But That was another instance. Another instance was when I started working out and literally like 
I've been working out all my life, but when I started working out for myself in like eighth grade and then like being intentional about going out just to work out and not just to play soccer. And then I like, and then sophomore or like freshman year, sophomore year, junior year, senior year, all these times, like I have been on self-improvement. That's like, that's another big epiphany I came to. I've been on self-improvement all my life. And that get, that's a huge confidence boost as well for me because think about it. If you just assume and think to yourself, like I've only been alive living how I want purposefully for one year, that's going to destroy your confidence. But if you're like, oh, yeah, I've been improving myself my entire life and everything leading up to this point has been helping me for this, good or bad, then that's a huge confidence boost. So I'm like realized that I have been on self-improvement my whole life and storytelling is the next focus. Like I've been saying, storytelling is my biggest focus. And so I've been researching how to tell better stories. I've been reading books. I've been, well, actually I've only read one book so far, but I've been reading, I've been watching videos and I even have been, after I got home from that session with Franklin and Gorin, I realized that I got to figure out who my competitors are. So I was sitting in my room pondering again. And I was like, you got to figure out your competitors. You got to figure out what they're doing. And then you got to find your pocket. That's literally what I wrote down. I came up to that epiphany while I was sitting in my room in darkness. And I wrote it down in darkness. So then I was like, okay, in the morning, that's what I'm going to do. That's my task for the next day find all my competitors, figure out what they're doing, and then find my pocket. So that's what I did. I woke up the next day and I found all my competitors, not all of them, but I found a lot of them. Uh, And I created a Google Doc and I put a table down. And on one column, it was their, their channel name and a link to their channel. Another column was their most popular video. And then another column was notes about it. And I found like eight or nine YouTubers. Some had like one had 50 K one had 150 K and then the rest had like below 5,000 subscribers I'm talking about. And so I basically go through and find all these people and I Find, I watch all their most popular videos because I'm not interested in their duds. I'm interested in their best videos. And I found out that all of their videos were just good stories. All their best videos were just just good stories. They began the video with good story. And then I wrote a lot of notes. And then eventually while I was researching this, I found another guy, another self-improvement YouTuber, Hoff. He has like 3.8 thousand subscribers. And I watched his most popular video. And it was insane. Literally ch- is changing my life. I'm not even kidding. Because his channel is the perfect case study for me. He had he was getting hundreds of views before he posted his most popular video. Just like I am. Hundreds of views. And then he posted his most popular, popular video. And it got 167,000 views. So he 100x'd his view count, 100x. If I do that to, if I 100x my view count from my most popular popular video, I get 1.5 million views in one video. So I am like, 
how did this guy do it? Because it was no accident that the algorithm just promoted it to 167,000 views. No accident. The algorithm does not make mistakes. So I'm literally studying this video. I completely disregard all of my other competitors and I'm only focused on Hoff. So I, on this same Google document, I extend Hoff's notes by literally like an two whole pages. All of the other competitors, I wrote like one sentence, like, oh, they started their video with a good compelling story. Oh, this, that. And then Hoff's notes literally extremely detailed. I've pretty much memorized his intro. He said, for the past two weeks, I have been in a rut. Now, what a rut is, is basically when you don't really get things done. And I actually didn't say that quite right because he had a slight pause behind rut and that happened at three seconds. And then he had a long pause with a thud on on the table after he said done like getting things done and then he thought like he basically said getting things done and he thud the table and so and that happened at like 18 or 19 seconds like i've literally been studying this video i discovered it i think yesterday or two days ago and i've already seen it it's like a seven minute video and i've already watched probably like two hours worth of it maybe and i have so many notes and because this guy did not do it on like it did not happen on accident he has the perfect formula for at least to get 167,000 views without any editing and another reason why this case study is so perfect is because he had the worst camera quality and it was in portrait mode so it's literally like there's black spots on both sides. Like, you know how when you take a picture on your phone in portrait mode, there's like black strips along both sides of just nothingness because the picture is just taken in the middle? That's exactly what his camera was doing. His thumbnail was in portrait mode also, which like... His thumbnail was terrible. His video quality was terrible. So that means that literally the only thing that made his video pop off was his storytelling because he just told a story. That's all that there was to it in that video. And so I'm getting like hundreds of views and I'm I'm thinking like, oh, this guy literally popped off with nothing but a good story. Like the first 80% of the video was a story. And then the last 20% of the video was the moral of the story. And he did not say like that you should do it. He just said, listen up because this may help you because it helped me. Like that's literally all he said. So I'm studying this guy and I've already practiced videos like like many, I've already practiced videos and I'm already starting to change my videos to this formula. Because it, he proved that it works. And I was looking at his other videos. Like after he made 160,000 views on that video, he posted another video and it only got 2.8 thousand views. Which tells me that it was a bad video. And the only reason why it got 2.8 thousand views was because of the lingering effect from going viral. All of these 2,000 people went to, they wanted to see his next video because his previous one was a banger. 
So they wanted to see his next one. So that was his opportunity to go viral again, but he missed it because he didn't follow this formula, which I do not know what the formula is, but I am extrapolating the formula literally as the days go by. And I've only been watching it for like two days. And I'm not just studying. I'm also implementing. I am taking action on this formula. And that is basically like why I'm studying Hoff. He is literally one of the best case studies for me right now. Another thing I want to talk about is over the past month, I've been training myself to love the work, like love the process and not the rewards, which I am extremely glad and grateful I did because now I just do it for the work and I don't really am. I'm not really dependent on the rewards, which I'm talking about rewards, meaning the analytics, like getting a high view count. And then if I don't get a high view count, then I don't get a reward. So then there is no meaning or purpose for doing this, which is dangerous if you fall into that trap. So that's why I trained myself for an entire month not to do that. I made it a point not to look at analytics until six days after each video was posted. And I did that. And now I've trained myself to like the work. So now I realized that, okay, I've trained myself through this mindset. Now it's time to actually like figure out what works and what doesn't. And in order to do that, I actually have to see the analytics at a pretty quick rate so I can apply it to the next video. Because before I was only seeing the analytics one week late by the time I already finished the next video. So then I have to apply it to the next video. So it'd be like, I'd be on two weeks behind schedule, two weeks delayed. So that means that I was only able to learn from two weeks ago, which is not good. So now, which, but it's it was worth it because I trained myself for that mindset. So, but now I am, I'm all good. And now I'm able to look at the analytics and not get completely bummed. Yes, I feel a little sad if a video doesn't do that well, but now I'm able to go into it with a sober mind and figure out like why it was wrong. For example, a most recent video that I posted called like Hamza's flawed self-improvement concept. I thought that was my best video ever, yet it's gotten like 15 views ever since I checked the analytics this morning. And that posted yesterday. So it's been like a day, it's a day old and it's gotten 15 views. And I have a theory. Well, actually, I know exactly why it's not doing that well. It's probably because my intro was bad. It didn't follow Hoff's method. Hoff just went straight into it and told a story. My video took three minutes for me to get into the flow state. Took three entire minutes to get into the flow state. So that is another reason. So that means that I got two things to work on. Work on Hoff's framework and then also train myself to get into the flow state right away. And moving forward, I have 92 subscribers. Didn't really make much progress over the past month on my channel. I've, I Yes, I did double my subscriber count, but that's not that much. I just added like... Yes, I doubled, but I only gained like 40 subscribers, which is a lot, but in the grand scheme of things, it's not that much. So if I only gain 40 subscribers again this next month, I'm definitely doing something wrong. So that is 
basically like where I'm at right now and moving forward, I'm going all in on storytelling. Story, like the differentiator between me and the pack is my stories and the storytelling. My ability to, my story ideas and my ability to tell stories. That is the differentiator. That's what I believe right now. I will see you guys next time. Next month, actually.